Steve teaches us what he sees is the future of the online fitness industry. We discuss some must-haves for long-term revenue and how to implement recurring revenue models. Lastly, we get into ways to differentiate yourself from the competition based on your level of expertise. And as always, stay tuned at the end for your one action step to build your wealth muscle. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast about building and protecting wealth for online health and fitness coaches. Each episode, we're going to break down different topics in the areas of business, finance, and tax, and how they pertain to your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner, Pat Darby. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the Building Your Wealth Muscle podcast. To start us off, I'll let you give your own introduction and bio. Great, Pat. Well, uh, first, thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for all you're doing now in the industry, helping people, whether it's in online fitness or fitness professionals and health professionals, really understand how they're going to build their business and how they're going to use wealth in, in the appropriate manner. So, so thanks for all you do on your end. I am a certified personal trainer through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, a corrective exercise specialist, and probably a dozen other certifications that nobody wants to hear about. Everything from Pilates to TRX to group fitness, you name it, I've done it in the industry. I've been doing this full-time for about 12 years now, including part-time for over 15 years. Prior to that, I worked in public relations. I worked at a hedge fund in New York City and always trained on the side before I decided I wanted to do this. And then in 2019, I wrote a book called Fitness Business 101, What the Certifications Don't Teach You. And that was me trying to help other personal trainers who just get their certification for the first time and they jump into the industry. They have no idea what's next. And hence the subtitle, What the Certifications Don't Teach You. Do I join a big gym? Do I join a small gym? Do I start my own gym? How exactly do I build a business? Do I get an LLC? Things of that nature. So it was my attempt to help personal trainers build their business and sort of uh, escape the sand traps, if you will, that I had to go through for the first three or four years. That's, re that's really helpful. The place I want to start today is actually at the end. Like at most fitness coaches, if they're running their business or their coaching practice like a true business, most ones I talk to, at least they're hoping to potentially find a buyer at some point with retirement if they're trying to build a, a true business. But like all of us who are running a business, we're hoping that we're not running the today's version of like a paper company. So why don't you tell us from your vantage point, where do you see the future of the online fitness industry going? Well, you know, just to go back to my book, I wrote it in 2019. It seems like so long ago now because of the pandemic and life has sort of slowed down and things are so different now. But in 2019, I didn't think online fitness was going to be here. I thought it was something that was maybe 10 years down the road. But because of the pandemic, things have been expedited now. You need the first step is you need to have some sort of footprint in, on, in the online fitness industry, whether it's you're making videos that are like long-term evergreen videos, 
for your clients that you just have on your computer, whether you have a presence on YouTube or Instagram, or it's uh, a bigger platform like a, a Trainerize or something to that extent, you need to have you know your toes dipped into that online fitness waters. But but secondarily, what I believe, and that's why I started the company Truly Fit. I'm the co-founder and co-owner of that, and I'll talk about that as we go on through the podcast when it's appropriate. But is that we need one centralized location, a marketplace, if you will, where we can get clients and providers, providers being the trainers, in one area where they can all meet and greet and talk because people don't necessarily know where to go to get trainers. And trainers think that they can just, you know, put a post up on Instagram and they're going to get 40 clients the next day. And that's just not really how it works. So I think online fitness in the future, there will be a, a consolidated marketplace, at least one, maybe there'll be multiple, where we can get both the market of people looking for fitness and the market of people selling health and fitness information all together on one platform. That's really good. So then what would you foresee in the future being the biggest risk to the industry? I think the biggest risk to any industry, uh, including yours, is oversight. And we don't know what's coming down the pipe, whether it's uh, government oversight. There had been talks in the early 2000s that there was going to be sort of credentialing oversight where it was tossed around in Washington. It got tossed out before there was any sort of vote. But basically, there was going to be a governmental agency that oversaw personal training certifications. So right now, it's a, it's a completely free market, right? It's private entities. You can have ACE or NASM or IFTA or any of these other certifications. Or actually, you can give out paid advice on nutrition or uh, fitness and really not even have a certification, right? It's very hard to police. But if and when that is ever policed, that is going to change everything. So, so I'll add one more point to that. That's why I think it's very important that you have a website. And why I say that is it's not only you know me being sort of hyperbolic here about the government. This could be a platform. So if you have Instagram or Facebook and all of your business, let's say, is built on Instagram and tomorrow Instagram goes, okay, guys, we changed our rules. They don't owe anything to you. They can do this anytime. We changed our rules, guys. No link trees, uh, no words, no likes. All you can do is put up pictures. Well, you just lost your whole business, right? So if you spent four years getting 40,000 people and now they have really nowhere to click and nowhere, no, no, no sort of like secondary place to be sent, uh, you're, you're, you're done for. So have a website, if nothing else, but, a, but as a backup plan so that you know you have complete autonomy over your content for the longevity of your career. Would you, to piggyback on that concept, would you be pro or con having more regulation and oversight in your industry? That's a great question. I thought about this long and hard. I am for either way as long as, as, long as it's 100%. And that, that might sound sort of odd. How could you be for either way? I don't like loopholes. I don't like 50-50. I don't think it works well, right? Outside of relationships, which you need to give and take, everything else in life, you need to pick a strategy and a plan and go for it. So if it was going to be regulated, great. Make sure they crack down on anybody giving in, on, excuse me, paid information that shouldn't be. Make sure that there are you know strict guidelines as, as, as for your credentialing and CEUs and all these things. If they want to go that route, that's fantastic. Do I think that's feasible and possible? No, I think it takes too much time, money, energy, effort, and it, it wouldn't be. So that's why I'm right now for the other side and make it a completely free market. Let people do what they will. And it, you know, as far as credentials are concerned, I, I do think it's important that trainers have credentials. Obviously, I'm, I am what I would consider highly credentialed, but 
at the same time, you know, good information will always beat out bad information. And we just have to make sure that, you know, it's, it's our job to continue to put good information out there. And for those who are not credentialed, you know, the gig will be up soon enough. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I've seen people post on like Facebook groups asking that question and I'm torn on it because one, I think it's people don't know, like, how do you find the right person? But then on top of that, I know in my industry in finance, it's highly regulated. And I know as a small firm, the amount of hours and dollars I spend to keep up just to stay compliant, not even doing anything, you know, fancy just to stay compliant. Um, that's, it's a lot of time and money. So I wouldn't want to see that happening to fitness coaches, even though it would be nice to have the consumer have an easier way. But I know we're going to talk about that later, an easier way to find people who will have the right expertise. Sure. Yeah. And like anything else, there's things that are easy to talk about, but are they easy sort of in practice? You know, can you implement them uh, properly? And I just I think it, it, it sounds great, uh, but I don't think it would be implemented very easily or, uh, you know, it wouldn't be sort of a, a fiscally appropriate thing for, let's say, National Academy of Sports Medicine or uh, ACE to handle. They would have to put all of their dollars towards this policing, so to speak. So it would have to be government regulated. And, you know, that, who knows to uh, the extent of what what sort of jobs that they would do. Yeah, it, it would add complexity. And, you know, at least here in finance, one of the regulators is a private enterprise. So they are for profit. So then you get into... You know, conflict of interest there. I mean, they they pay bonuses to their staff. So let's dive a little bit deeper into the the business side of online fitness coaching. One of the reasons that I actually got into helping them on the financial side is because, and you see this probably way more than I do, a lot of people are talking about the sales, the marketing, but the people I speak with, once the dollars come into the company, there's not a lot of people talking about what they should be doing with it. But you take a more of a long-term approach, which I think is better for any business owner, because obviously future revenue is just as important. But what are some of the things that you think are must have for people to have future clients and future income? I think there's a long list. I would start with, you know, first of all, just have a plan, a system in place when you when you meet these clients, whether it's you're, you're having a consultation of some sort, or, you know, some people have, let's say a particular, unfortunately, because I don't think this is good, but they'll, they'll have a pitch that they use for the clients. That's okay if you decide to do that, but, but have a plan in place to, to meet and greet and secure the client. I call it a consultation. I would say, secondly, have uh, evergreen documents that you can repurpose. It's very important. So the, the one thing that doesn't change in the industry ever is the body. The body is the same. So you know, tight hamstrings for my grandfather were treated the same way as tight hamstrings for me, or at least they should have been. So have documents, I think long form is, is the better way to go about this, but have documents that say, let's say like five great stretches for your hamstrings. Now you can repurpose this in so many ways. You can show five pictures of that. You can uh, put it on Instagram, you can put it on Facebook. You can do a deep dive blog into each one of those five and, and hash that out as five separate blogs. Then you can do a podcast on one of those, right? Then you can reach out to a, a specialist or uh, you can take it a step further and look at, oh, the difference between uh, tight hamstrings and an injured hamstring. So have have these these long form what I call like evergreen content that you can keep repurposing, and that's going to make sure also that when you have a client, because there's only so many different things, and I'm sure this is the same way with you, Pat. There's only eventually when you're in this industry long enough, a handful of things people come to you for. So 
you know, at this point, you've been asked every tax question there is, right? At this point, I've been asked every question there is concerning fitness. So the, the fact that I have those questions, I can look, record those questions and say, okay, these are the seven questions I get answered the most. Let me just have this documentation on file. I can send it right away to whoever needs it. And then I look professional. I answer their questions. I make a connection with people. We talked a little bit about websites beforehand and how important they are because you can have autonomy in building what you need to. You can have what we call lead captures or lead magnets on the page. Somebody comes to, you know, stevewalshooter.com, which is also fitnessbusiness101.com. And, you know, the, a pop-up comes up where it says, hey, do you want a a free outline of my book, or do you want the first two chapters of my book? Enter your email, here you go, here's the first few chapters. And I get to secure their email address, but I'm also giving them something in return, right? Something that I believe is of value. And uh, I'll name two more things that I think are very important. Having a footprint, Pat, on all social medias is important for your long-term growth. And this is why I say this, this would be your equivalent of diversifying your funds you don't know where people are looking for you. So you might be the king of Instagram, but for whatever reason, there's a host of people who start to now look for you on LinkedIn and you're just non-existent. So you're losing clients, you don't even know about it. You don't need to be an absolute, you know, let's say perfectionist in each of those social media platforms. You probably won't be able to, if you're really good at one, that means you're spending more time on that. But at least, again, have some sort of footprint where if somebody looks for you, they get either sent to your main social media platform, that might be your Instagram, through those other ones, or you have enough information on those where you look legitimate. I think that's very important, right? And then last but not least, long-term success, at least this is what's helped me, is delegating tasks. And part of that, for me, is having a VA, a virtual assistant. They are not, not expensive. And there's, you know, I'll tell you off air exactly where I got mine, but but you can, you can just Google it, right? Different places to get a virtual assistant, very cheap, and they can do the work for you that you, don't wanna, that you don't wanna do and the things that you're not good at because I'm a personal trainer. I'm good at helping people get healthier. I'm not necessarily good at the other things, so I can delegate those tasks to somebody else. I like that. What would you say is the biggest mistake? You're, you might've covered it already, but what would you say is the biggest mistake that you're seeing out there in the in the sales and the marketing side. You know, I think you and I might have talked about this uh, off air at some point, or you know, when we had spoken in the past. But I think people they they, they try to grow too quickly, and I think your skill set should be commiserate with the rest of your business growth. So I'm big on analogies here. Let's say I, I you know I learn how to cut hair, and the, the next day I don't want to go do a wedding. Right? That's a very important thing going on, right? I could ruin somebody's life if I'm not you know, doing this appropriately. I probably start with men's hair. I'm just guessing I don't have any hair. And then I start with kids' hair and then so on and so forth, right? You want to work your way up slowly so that you, you don't actually have to pitch yourself and lie that you're an expert, but you actually do become that expert that you say you are. So don't worry about growing so quickly. Worry about you know being involved in the process and learning and taking things slowly. So... Grow commiserate, let your business grow commiserate with your skill set, is what I'll say, uh, is number one. Number two, develop a niche. And I think sometimes people develop a niche by what they like. That's okay. But also listen to the people around you, whether that's friends or family or the people who follow you, and find out what you're good at and, and sort of gravitate towards that. Because I think that's a big mistake that people make is that, you know, you'll see somebody 
like let's say a yoga instructor, and all of the likes are on the pictures of her headstands, but for some reason she wants to niche out in meditation. It's like, well, okay, I understand that this is your passion, but everybody loves how great you are at headstands. Why don't you start a private class where you charge three times the amount for headstand training, right? So, so really take in that information, find out what people around you are trying to tell you you're good at, and, and believe them. You are good at it. If they like something about you, kind of use that as your niche. Don't always just go with your passion. Go with what people are telling you you're good at. And then uh, third, last but not least, online training is great for a host of reasons. You know, I'm putting, all, I'm putting a lot of my eggs into one basket starting a company that's based off of online training. But as far as learning is concerned, you, you really learn on the floor. And one-on-one, -on -one, you're never gonna learn as much because it's you and it's the client, and you know more than the client. So you're never really learning anything else. You're teaching the client. When you're on the floor, right, when you're in a gym, there's other trainers there. So you're watching other experts do what they do. You're stealing moves, you're stealing tips. Maybe you go into the lunchroom afterwards and you say, oh, I can't believe the cable machine was broken, but I did X, Y, and Z instead today. Right? You're, you're learning on the job by having those people around you. So even if you have 90% of your energy and efforts into the online fitness game, at least be inside of a fitness facility if you can, you know, pandemic uh, to uh, pandemic aside, and spend a little bit, a few hours a week in there to make sure you're continuing to hone your craft and build your skills. That's really good. Yeah, actually, I don't think I've heard people recommend that before. I think that's that's a pretty good concept to because you don't know what you don't know if you're just in your silo giving advice. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. And it happens a lot and we all do it. And I, I've said things before that were not true in, in any, in a, in a bunch of different fashions and didn't have anyone to call me out on it. And then once somebody did, I said, Oh my gosh, I, I must've told that to six people. And that's, that wasn't true. But you know, you, you, that's not always people's fault. It's naivety sometimes is what it is. It's not like they're trying to, to do anything wrong or give bad information, but having, you know, people, it's essentially accountability, right? Having some sort of forced accountability by being around others who are also knowledgeable in your profession is going to make you better. It's going to, you know, you know, sh sharpen, you know, knives, sharpen knives kind of deal. So absolutely diving into helping people actually strengthen their business. Like one thing that I talk to clients a lot about is surviving economic downturns. And one way to do that is having recurring revenue. So what would you recommend coaches do? Because you hear a lot. I mean, you know this better than anyone. People are signing up for a few week programs, a few months, six months, something like that. How do you teach people to get their clients to sign up for 12 plus month contracts so they have, quote unquote, recurring revenue? Sure. I'd say one, and you know, this might you know, sound uh, honest or cheesy, but you know, don't lie to your clients. They're going to they're gonna sniff it out. You have to be honest. But actually give them all of the advantages to the long-term contract. So say, hey, listen, this is what I charge for a week. This is what I charge for, for like a 10 session package. This is what I charge for an hour package. If you buy annually, you're saving X percentage, right? I'm gonna save you 22% by buying annually. That is not a lie if that's actually what you're doing, right? You're giving them a huge percentage. So that's that's on the, the monetary side, right? That's, that's pulling at their, their financial strings. On the other side, is that you wanna help them. Most people, the data says, quit their programs within a month. So if you don't, again, talking back to that accountability factor, if you don't commit to this, I wasted my time, I could have been working with somebody else, 
You wasted your time and your money. So I want you to commit to this for a year. These changes are gonna take a while. I wanna make sure that I can be here to help you along that route. And in addition to that, the second point, something that you just hinted at before with when we were talking about all the oversight and you said you spend so much time having to worry about the oversight. Well, as a trainer, I don't wanna spend so much time worrying about if that money is in my account or having to check my calendar to say, did I work with them three times this week or four times? Or you know, did they miss last session? Are they on session nine? Do they owe me? Do they, you know, no, I don't wanna deal with that. I want you, to, I wanna set it and forget it, have that money coming in on a monthly basis or even pay, pay upfront one annual cost so that my energy and time can be given to what I do best. Again, that is helping them get healthier, not dealing with finances. I think that's great. I think it's great advice. What would you say for people, what would the conversation be if they didn't present this up front? Like now they're just listening to this and saying, okay, I need to turn my three-month client into a 12-month client. How do you frame that? Since I like what you said in the beginning, like it's easy to frame it like, hey, this is a long journey. You didn't you didn't get overweight overnight. You know, we're not going to get you the way you want to be in 12, uh, 12 weeks. How do you frame it if you have to sort of switch that into long-term mode? That's a great question, and I'll, I'll sort of I'll answer it in two different ways. Number one, setting a precedent is important. So um, you, know, you, you should have on the front end did that. But if you, if you did not, start to do that right away, right? Pitch to them how you do things right out the gate, right? So you don't have to have these conversations. But what I will say is, if you've built a relationship with your client, which we normally do because this is in, there's a personal part to personal training. It's maybe a little bit different in group fitness, but when you're working one-on-one with people, you find out their kids' names, right? You know, you know where they're from, where they went to school, what, how, you know, how much they they dislike their boss Nancy, and you know what their husband is doing on the weekends playing golf or whatever it is, right? So you've built a relationship with them. You should feel comfortable enough at some point. Maybe it's not the first package. Maybe it's the second package to say, hey, listen. I'm switching my business model. Uh, I've just, uh, thankfully, due to great clients like you, I, I just have more business coming in and I can't deal with all of the numbers and dealing with multiple you know, pe- people, packages ending one week and starting the next week and I have to keep up with all of this. It's just too much for me. So I'm going about this in a different model. You know, would this be okay for you? I think majority of your clients, once you've built that relationship, are not gonna wanna go seek someone else out. They're willing to shift that business model to keep that relationship with you. Think about you uh, as a person. If somebody who you work with on a regular basis presented that to you, would you switch? In most instances, I would too. I want to make it easier on the people that I work with, especially if it's at no big inconvenience financially to me. And it's not. It's easier. Are you finding that when when people's contracts are up with the coaches you're working with, are they... Are there clients that are not renewing? Are they switching over to DIY? Like, okay, I understand what to do now. Or are they going to somebody else? What is your experience showing you? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I do think it is trainer dependent. There's no, I would say no, not the people I work with because I, what I do is I, I try to help trainers cultivate that relationship with their clients and make it more about not just helping them through a, you know, this isn't like a woo-woo thing. I want them to be f- friends with their clients. Not Maybe not past that boundary where they're too friendly and they can't discuss money and finances and things like that. And they can't be the one who is 
you know, barking orders, because that's what we have to do as trainers. But I do want there to be a connection between those clients and, and be very direct with them. So, so no, I don't find that the, the trainers I work with have that issue with the contracts. To be honest with you, a lot of them will have it built into their contract that is whatever payment it is, it's just a rollover reoccurring, much like a lease, where, you know, unless, unless we discuss otherwise, this just rolls over. So that is a good question. I think all trainers, it's, it's very individualized to that particular trainer. But I would say if you are losing clients left and right and you think it's because of the contract, it's most likely not because of the contract. It's because you're, you're not meeting their needs. Definitely. Now I want to circle back to what we talked about in the beginning of the podcast. Like we said, there's a pretty low barrier to entry for fitness coaching and, and all online coaching, basically. So if you're someone who's like highly skilled, it's not necessarily easy to differentiate yourself, but your company addresses that need. Can you go a little deeper and talk about that? Yeah, that is a, a, a fantastic point. It's a very low barrier to entry to become a personal trainer. It's not like becoming a physician where you have to get accepted into med school and then pass med school and then you can accept into the residency and pass residency and then and so on and so forth. Right? This is you can get a certification in one weekend and call yourself a personal trainer. You know, what we do at Truly Fit or what we're putting together, our software and business platform marketplace should be launched in the next month or two, is we allow personal trainers, we believe in the free market, to run their business in, in sort of a free market approach. They can set their own prices. They can differentiate themselves by their niche so people can seek you out through their niche. If for some reason you're, a, let's say, a, a yoga instructor or you're, a, let's say, you're a nutritional keto coach, people can search for you through those particular terms so they know exactly where you're at. You have your own page, much like a, let's say like a Facebook page, a bio page that has your picture and your information. And then your schedule is there, both your on-site schedule and your, your virtual schedule. So if you teach, let's say at Barry's Bootcamp, you can let everyone know that you teach at Barry's Bootcamp. You can even have a link straight to there. And then if you also do a virtual class at, uh, 4 and 6 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Well, that link is there. They click it. They sign up. They get a Zoom link automatically sent to them, so you don't have to handle any of that. And and voila, the class the class starts, and you teach, and you get paid. And it's for free, completely for free. Again, on, online marketplace for free. We provide the clients for you. Now, not necessarily provide. I shouldn't say that. We advertise to bring clients to. The platform so that they can find you they can seek you out think of class paths or even more so think of fiverr if anyone's used fiverr before where you go on you look for someone in a particular niche let's say you look for someone who's website building you seek them out you look at their ratings you look at their reviews you look at what exactly their prices their price point is which is important to us you control your price point and then people sign up so that's, that's what we believe is going to be the, the differentiating factor. You're not just going to be another face on Instagram that nobody knows about. You're going to have ratings and reviews, and you are going to be a part of a, uh, a platform who helps promote you. Now, how would they differentiate their expertise on your site? If like, because like some people they have, I guess, I guess let me phrase the question. If you're the person who's gotten the credential over a weekend versus somebody who's 10 years in the industry, multiple alphabets behind their name. How do they, what do they put on the site? How do the people searching figure out one versus the other? Yeah, that's a great question. So when we first start out, we are going to only allow certified personal trainers on the site. 
So you basically will send in your credentials. I or somebody in my business will approve you and then you will be on the site. You know, phase two rollout, which will be six months from then, we start increasing the, the, the people who can come in, right? So it's opened up to a more a general audience. Now, how you differentiate yourself is good and bad. So uh, good in the way of if you don't have those credentials, if you're just say, let's say you have an, OT, uh, an OTF, which is an Online Trainers Federation certification, which is you just paying $500 and then giving you a cert certification to teach online. That's fine. You can be on the site. And if you have a high-level uh, kinesiology degree from Harvard, you can also be on the site. There will be a place where you can list your credentials. We believe it is up to the market. It is up to Pat to do his own due diligence and look into said trainer or said health coach and say, you know what? I don't care what their certification is. They have great reviews and I did a 20 minute consult with them. They seem really smart. I want to hire them or vice versa. You know, you might be somebody who seeks out credentials only and you go, you know what? I just want the top credentials. So I want to see when they, where they list their credentials, do they have a link? Because there are links to, to your credentialing too as well. So like, for me, for instance, if you want to look at my National Academy of Sports Medicine Corrective Exercise Specialist certification, I can put a link where you can click it and it'll, it'll link directly to it. So it's not also me just saying it, you can see it. So it allows, again, we believe in the free market, it allows the people to make their own decisions on who they want to work with. And we are not telling people that you should only work with the highest credentialed people. And we really believe in that concept. And are you seeing out there any... So if you're maybe somebody who's not credentialed yet, are you seeing anything on your da the database searches on what people are looking for or most consumers don't know or care? They just want to see something. So you mean like somebody who is a, a health professional or someone who's just a like a regular consumer? Yeah, like because your, your consumers are coming in looking for coaches. Are you seeing people are looking for any particular type of credential or they don't even know and they're just like, hey, I hope this person knows their stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, mo yeah. It, most people don't know, and that's that's just a part of the industry right now. And again, we talked about: do we want big regulation? Do we want a total free market? Do we want something in between? It's it's hard to say. And and as a even as a business owner, I don't necessarily have control over that. So most people just do not know. They're not they're not seeking things out. They're not searching for things. I do think from the due diligence that I've done, more often than not, National Academy of Sports Medicine is recognized as a leader in the industry. And I think it's twofold. I think they do a really good job marketing themselves, which is ironic because they don't teach you uh, as a trainer how to market. <laughs> but they, they market themselves very well. And then two, the name just has a cachet to it, right? National Academy of Sports Medicine. It seems like something that you have to invest a lot of time and energy into to get. It's, that's not necessarily the case, but it, it comes with a lot of cachet. It sounds much better than like, I don't know, I'll just make one up, a fit, fitness industry teacher, right? It sounds better than that. So I think for both of those reasons, that name, has a, a big hold over the landscape of the, the average consumer. But in general, outside of that name, I don't think they really know one certification from another or no certification from the best certification. That's fair. Yeah, I know most of my friends that I talk to that are not in the fitness industry, they wouldn't know one, one way or another, whether it was the, they were looking at the best one or the weekend one. I, I, I imagine that's everywhere. 
Yeah, and it's been, in the past, obviously, it's been the fitness facility's job to look over that and to have a concise plan. I've been, I've been at fitness facilities that would only have National Academy of Sports Medicine trainers. I've been at ones that only had ACE. Maybe it was because the manager had ACE. He understood what they taught, and he wanted to make sure that everyone underneath them also had the same education. I'm sure that happens in a lot of different businesses, right? You want people who are sort of downstream of you, and you, and you know what they've done in, in the past because you've, you've done it. So I think un, whether it's fortunate or unfortunate, it's just the way things have gone. We've exploded into this online marketplace, and people don't necessarily need credentials, and it's up to the consumer to do their own due diligence. And again, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think ultimately it's, it's on you as the consumer to not only do your own research, but to work with someone and escape from them if it is not working. Now, before, before we give the listeners the one action step to, to help their, one thing we talk about a lot is diversified income. And I, I don't think we spoke about this yet, but you had mentioned this to me offline. Someone could sign up for your program. There's no cost to them as the business owner. Is that correct? That's correct. There is no cost as a individual personal trainer or group class instructor as an individual. Yeah, if you are a brick and mortar, there would be a cost and you would have your own site, so to speak, a sort of a, a secondary site of that. But yes, if if you were, you know, Bob Johnson, a trainer in Sacramento, California, and you do, you know, outdoor training in the park, and maybe you teach a class here and there, and then you do some virtual training, you can sign up completely for free and host your schedule. The only small caveat there is, although you sign up for free and put your schedule there for free and you control your prices, after the people pay, we do take a small percentage of that. So let's say you have 10 people sign up for your class and you charge $20, $20 a class, right? That's $200. We, we take a percentage of that $200, obviously, because we need, we need that money to run the site. Of course. Now, do, do people who run online businesses that they're not physically teaching a class, but they're instructing clients on what to do on their own. Is there, is your company a fit for them as well? Yes. Yeah, completely. So either way, it doesn't matter what, what business model you have, uh, truly fit will, will work for you. You can, whether you're uh, again, a group fitness instructor, a personal trainer, whether you are somebody who works for yourself and you just teach at home, and or whether you're someone who teaches in another facility and you need people to come to your classes and sign up that way, almost like a mind body or schedulicity, it can work in that fashion. But yeah, right now we have, you know, we're, we're in a sort of our beta testing phase. So we have about 25 people on there in the background working and, and doing different things. And we have people who are only, let's say, for two hours a day hosting, you know, a virtual yoga class and they have their classes, the people come, they, they sign up. They get sent the, the automatic Zoom links and they take the class and, and it's as simple as that. They don't they don't have to do anything. We're, we're sending them the people. And so all the payments go through your company? Yeah, so the, how the payment system works, which I didn't describe, so I'm glad you asked that question, Pat, is there is a, essentially how, how we thought it would work best is that the consumer pays the site for credits. So let's say, Pat puts in $1,000. $1,000 gets you 100 credits. You can use those credits as you will with the online marketplace. 
So Pat goes in, he buys a, you know a thousand dollars worth of credits, which is a hundred dollars. Excuse me, uh, which is a hundred credits, a thousand dollars. And then he says, you know what? I really want to take Steve Washuda's hit class virtually. So you take that on a Monday, and you go, you know what? Steve stinks. I don't want to go back to him. And the next day you go, I want to take uh, a yoga class because I just feel really tight because Steve uh, gave me too heavy of weights. So the next day you take Susie's yoga class and maybe she charges three credits, but I only charge two. But you make that decision to spend those three credits, in this case, $30 and so on and so forth. So it gives you, the consumer, the ability to use those credits to anyone you want as opposed to being locked in long-term with the client. Now, if, I'm, uh, if I am the trainer, I'm gonna say, well, why do I want that? Why do I want someone not to be locked in with me long-term? Well, again, cream rises to the top. You do a good job, these people are gonna find you. And then also, you have other trainers bringing people to the site for them who are eventually gonna find you. So if Steve brings 50 of his clients to the site to sign up for him, and they don't feel like taking his class that day, they randomly stumble upon your class, you got a new client, you didn't do anything. So we believe it's a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. So we, we discussed a lot today. So if you're an online fitness coach, what would you say of everything we discussed would be the one action step they could do to help build their wealth today? Uh, it might be the cheesiest thing I said today, but t- take a second, look over your Instagram, your Facebook, talk to your friends, your family, and really find out what it is that you're good at. And I don't just mean that in a general sense, I mean that in a more specific sense, what you're good at concerning your specialty. Because you need to develop your niche around that. So again, it could be that you just work fantastic in groups. And you have, you know, I call them intra-trainers, right? So you're, you're an entertainer trainer and you just turn on. Well, guess what? That's, that, that is where you have to be. It could be the opposite, that you just work better in one-on-one. It could be, again, something very nuanced, like I talked about, that everybody loves your back muscles, and they, all they do is comment on how great your lats are and how great your traps look and how do you have those back muscles. Well, that is your ticket, right? Take, take that and run with it. Build all these special, you know, five best exercises for your back. Work with clients who, who only want to work on back exercises, right? Really just start to narrow down that path of niche and, and, and flesh it out and unpack it and become the absolute expert in that area because it's not just about what you love. That should be a part of it. You could also niche in that. It has to be about, you know, the tools you already have. What, what are you already great at? What do people already tell you that you're great at? Perfect. This has been extremely helpful, Steve. If our listeners want to learn more about you and your company, what's the best way for them to find you? So all of our social media is at TrulyFitApp, T-R-U-L-Y-F-I-T-A-P-P. The website is TrulyFit.app, and it's also a phone application. But again, we are in our beta stages now as of in September 2021. We should be launched before Christmas. And 2021, we just, you know, feel little bugs tinkering here and there. So, but again, any, any of our social media pages at truly fit app is the best place to find information about us. And I think you had mentioned that there was uh, the first 25 people, there was a special offer. Correct. So we're looking for trainers to be featured on our site. Again, you're going to have to be certified when we start. That's how we're going to start this process. 
But if you are a certified personal trainer for anything, ACE, NASM, whatever it is, and you want to be a part of Truly Fit, you can email me social at trulyfit.app, social at trulyfit.app. That'll be forwarded directly to me. And then I will look it over. You don't even have to send me your credentials right away. You can just say interested. That's all you have to say in the email, interested, social trulyfit.app. Then I will give you more information about how you could potentially be featured on our website. What we're looking to do is build up the first 25 trainers and fitness professionals who get on the site with clients before we let everyone else come in. We don't want a thousand trainers to sign up for the site and then our consumers sort of to get lost in the jumble with all of those trainers. But you know, the advantage is if you're the first one on the site, that means you're the first one who's getting reviews. You're the first one who's building your reputation through the site. You're the first one who's getting acclimated with how to use the site and promoting the site and saying you're a part of Truly Fit. So we, we think it's a big advantage. Again, first first 25 who reach out saying interested, I'll send you the information, social at trulyfit.app. And we're going to have links to everything that Steve just mentioned in the show notes. Well, is there anything that we missed that you want to go over about Truly Fit? Nothing about Truly Fit, but if you're you know brand new to personal training, uh, or let's say you just hopped into online fitness, but you don't necessarily uh, have a background in working in fitness facilities, I really would recommend my book, fitnessbusiness101.com. You can go type in fitnessbusiness101 on Amazon, and you can get my book. And if you don't have the money for it, if you don't want to spend the $12, honestly, that same email, social at trulyfit.app, say, I'd love your book. I'll send you a PDF copy for free. So that's that's totally fine. And just, you know, send, send me a message, social at trulyfit.app, and I'll, I'll send you a PDF copy for free. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for joining us today on Building Your Wealth Muscle podcast. Thanks for having me, Pat. Thank you for joining us this week on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Make sure you visit our website, darbyba.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes, or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us as well. For more information on the topics covered, you can follow Pat on Instagram, at patdarbybiz. The download from this episode is available in the show notes. And if you want help building your wealth specifically, Pat Darby is currently taking private clients. The link to book a call is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.